This is Sports Best, the only show in the entire galaxy that removes the worst of sports and only brings you the best. Only one show comes close, but it's located on Saturn, and it's kind of hard to pick up. He is Andrew, sleeps with one eye open, Keller. I am Larry Boom Boom Olsen, and we are broadcasting fake live and direct on the Believe Podcast Network. I feel like Uncle Kirk put up a good show for us together this week, Andrew. He did. He, he likes to jump in. He's bringing in good numbers, though. I'd like to say I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I look at the downloads, and so Man, keep it up, Kirk. I feel like he's going to sneak right into my spot here on Sports Best. Not careful. I feel like maybe when I'm not here, we lose focus and we don't get our KBO updates, so I feel like we <laughs> got to let people know how we're doing with the Korean baseball organization. Am I right? You guys don't talk about when I'm not here, right? Well, maybe we, we talked about it in our pre-production meeting, and Kirk said that we can't do that. He cut it. So as you know, he is no longer – the in-house intern he got promoted so he doesn't have to do that he has the authority to cut segments and we have two weeks of backlog to make up for what's going on with the kbo once again i feel like i needed to give this disclaimer every time we talk about the korean baseball organization it was a good idea to talk about baseball in korea when there are no other sports going on but now that we have hockey baseball basketball going to the united states it seems silly but nonetheless we made a man rub bet about whose team would finish higher in the kbo so we got to do it mm -hmm. sitting atop the kbo standings the NC Dinos at a record of 50 and 31, Andrew. Nice. The Kiwum <laughs> Tigers are next. And then the LG Twins at 50 and 37. They are three games back of the lead. The Florida Marlins and of the KBO. They are the Florida Marlins of the KBO. They are three and a half games better than the Kia Tigers, the New York Yankees of the KBO, <laughs> which means – there's a good chance that there's a man rub coming your way unless my Kia Tigers, the New York Yankees at the KBO, can turn things around. As we all know, the Kia Tigers finished strong, so I, I still have faith that I might lose. Just a smidge of KBO news that we need to talk about because, once again, I don't feel like people take it serious when I'm not here. They're letting <laughs> fans go back into the stands at the KBO. I don't know if you knew that. At full capacity? No, 10% of stadium capacity. That's something. That's what they started with. And then this week, now 25% of stadium capacity. So, fans are going back. Okay. So, maybe there's hope. There's hope in the world that baseball will be witnessed live. There is hope. Baseball's <laughs> going on. So, let me just tell you, it is Tatis Mania. The San Diego Padres on Wednesday night hit another Grand Slam. Three straight games with Grand Slams. Of course, the big Grand Slam, which everybody's talking about, is Fernando Tetis. Are you familiar with baseball's unwritten rules, Andrew? I wasn't until I saw this come up that if you have a 3-0 pitch and the bases are loaded, you're not supposed to swing. Well, if you have like a 10-run lead, you can't swing. Well, I had never heard that. I did see, though, that his teammate, Zach Davies, said, quote, make sure your 3-0 pitch is a little bit better and you won't end up in that situation. So Listen, it's been interesting, this unwritten rule, but everyone's saying, hey, keep playing. Like I, keep I, was, I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, and there was an old guy this week, and he was losing his mind <laughs> over Fernando Tatis hitting a grant, like hitting a ball with a seven-run lead that was perfectly – he's like, he should not have swung. He should have laid down. Like, they're playing baseball, and because the old guys say you can't do it, he supposedly was not supposed to hit a grand slam. There's so many old guard rules in baseball. Yes. You can't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can't swing on a 3-0 pitch. 
I make the contention that famously the Red Sox came back from an 0-3 deficit in the playoffs and won. You can come down from a you can come back from a seven run seven run lead. Like that's silly. I say swing um, away. This does seem a little bit like get off my lawn, you youngsters, right? I mean, when an old guy's like, man, you can't be swinging at those pitches. And I mean, they're playing a game, right? Right. Well, they're just going to have to throw at him next time. Another unwritten rule is throwing <laughs> at somebody. Wait a minute. Is the unwritten rule that you shouldn't throw at someone or that you can throw at someone? Oh, I think you're supposed to. I want to point out, though, I feel like you put this story first to instigate me because it's about my. it's against my Rangers. Okay. Real quickly, just before we move on, do we have any unwritten rules here on the sports best that I don't know about? You can't throw shade on the Rangers. <laughs> I want to let you know they're positioned where they should be right in the middle of the AL West. They're ready to pounce on the, on the A's. Because I, I just feel like I might not know the unwritten rules and, like, I might make fun of your beard or something, and I'll be like, that's an unwritten rule we can't do. Right. Just like maybe an unwritten rule is we're not supposed to throw shade on the Los Angeles Lakers being down 0-1 to one to the Trailblazers. Hey, hey, don't you go there. I know you're sad don't about you that. I know don't you're you sad. go there. I know you're sad the Warriors aren't in the playoffs. But there's a ray of sunshine. What? All. Steph Curry has announced that he is going to have a book club. <laughs> $20 a month. You can join his Underrated is the name of the book club literary. You can check it out. It's named Underrated presumably because Steph plays under the assumption that he's an underrated player. However, he was drafted in the first round seventh pick of the 2009 draft i would say anyone that's picked in the first round of the nba draft is not necessarily underrated do you think steph curry two-time mvp was underrated and should have a chip on his shoulder about books nobody in the olsen household thinks steph curry is underrated we are very pro steph curry we watch as you know the show holy moly the golf show yeah. i believe it's on like abc or whatever but i don't believe the olsons will be getting behind the steph curry book club just saying because you don't believe in books? Are you a book-burning family? No, no, no. We, lots of books. It just, I feel like everybody wants to go their own direction. For us to all to read the same book, uh, like, for instance, I read about Lewis and Clark, and then someone reads about Walter the Farting Dog, and then someone else is reading on racism. It's hard to circle the wagons together. So I just don't think we're all going to read the same book is what I'm saying. I also will not be getting behind this, but I think it's a really cool concept. And also, no. I'm just impressed with Steph Curry in general. He's a, a sneak reporter at the PGA Championship press conference. He's executive producing stuff, but this is kind of cool. So they're saying this book club is going to bring forth stories of people who have defied the odds and become more than what others thought they were destined to be. So I think it's a cool concept. Steph Curry, I, there you go. I, I know we don't do this on purpose, because it's an unwritten rule on the sports best. Yeah. We don't, we don't say controversial statements, but I'm going to say one. Okay. I actually hate book clubs because first of all, my wife's in like five of them. And I feel like it's yeah. just an excuse for her to go drink wine somewhere. I uh -huh. think that's the number one rule, but like, you know, Hey, read a book, but you got to be in a club. To, I don't, I, I don't think, I, I think they're overrated. That's what I'm saying. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it really <laughs> fall? If you read a book and you don't discuss in a book club, did you actually read it? You know what? I, that's a great question. I think that's an existential question that you're saying. And from my wife, if she didn't read in a book club, apparently she didn't read it. Didn't count. 
She's not drinking Chablis with her buddies and talking about the latest uh, rom-com book. Didn't happen either. Didn't happen. I believe we need to go to old guy news. Step Ooh. it over. Yeah. Are you a big fan of the, uh, the Oscar De La Hoyas? I am a huge fan of boxing, as you know. I've been boxing you are. in LA You're for the last couple of years. That's oh, great. Yes. Yeah. Oscar De La Hoya, uh, in my former years as a sports producer in Los Angeles at KTLA Channel 5 Television, I went to a couple of the Oscar De La Hoya fights out in Vegas. 49, 40, yes, thank you very much. Wow. 40, by the way, there is no funner sporting event to go to if you can actually get tickets and you got them, to go to a big boxing event in Las Vegas. Everybody's dressed up, tuxedos, it's the full nine yards. There's so much energy, lots of fun to go to. So Unwritten rules. Normally, the humble brags are left for me, but today, Larry is taking the humble brags away. <laughs> Listen, I didn't go to the fight. I worked the fight. First of all, I wasn't. I didn't have any money. I was working as a producer at the Oscar De La Hoya fight. To my original point, forty-seven-year-old Oscar De La Hoya says he's coming out of retirement to jump back into the ring. Here's the best part: it's been twelve years since he last boxed. That's crazy. Last time he boxed, so he was boxing at a lower weight than he normally does. I think he was boxing at 145 and, and lost. And he was like, I was a shell of myself. And he's planning on coming back at uh, 155 to 160, I think. Does that sound right? You know, here's the deal. I don't think the weight is going to matter as much as the age at this point. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. You lose a step. Maybe you and I should box and see see what happens he, he he was on his soapbox talking about this about how he's looking around what boxing is and he doesn't like it and he's like everybody's in it for the money and so my question to oscar de la hoya is are you getting paid to fight <laughs> yeah i feel like he's in it for the money he says this is not a publicity stunt he says you know what i'm going for this i say good luck with that oscar is what i say good luck will you watch it if it's free like, if it's on ESPN and I get to watch it, I will not be paying. Unless you pay for it and invite me over, I will not be sure. paying to see the Oscar De La Hoya fight. What if it's playing at a private residence in Burlingame and you have an invitation to go there? Would you watch it? If you're alluding to Uncle Kirk might happen to have it on his TV and I could stand outside socially distant and not enter his house, there is a possibility that I would watch an Oscar De La Hoya fight. All right, so we'll keep a close eye on Oscar De La Hoya at the Sports Best newsroom. With football coming back, with football coming back, one thing I never really thought of is that kickers might have an issue with this. I saw this story, what? and the first thing that came to mind was in baseball. Are you familiar with the batter's eye, that area in center field that they have to black out with a tarp or with a whatever because it's in their line of sight? I, I saw this headline. I'm like, oh, there's not going to be anyone in the stands. They're going to have a blank color to shoot at. But – the problem they're saying is the wind. When you have a full stadium, the wind is different because people knock down the wind. Like it hits your body, you slow it down. So kickers are already preemptively making excuses for this <laughs> season. I feel like that's what you're saying is that they're just preemptively making excuses, right? Because I'm assuming if mm. you're a kicker, you learn how to adjust your kick depending on where the wind is blowing in the first place, right? Yeah. So then if there's no wind or there's more wind because the fans are there or not there, would you just, again, be making an adjustment? Right. You should be playing what it is. I think it's more interesting. I didn't know this. I looked it up. 
24 of the 32 teams play outside. So there's going to be eight that can kick in domes and the, the wind is less of an issue. But Mason Crosby, CU alum, kicking for Green Bay is automatic. So he, it's, there's not good elements up there. So it's really just about the wind. It's not about anything else. Well, they're, they're saying it's a lot about the wind. There's also the mental aspect of this. I think not having people cheering has got to get in your head a little bit. You, it's like, for me, it's like when I'm hitting my second shot at a golf course and the groundskeeper stops his little tractor and watches me hit, I shank it. So, a little stage fright. A little stage fright. So I don't know. It might heighten. It might ice the kickers. You can be in your head more when there's silence. I mean, I got to be honest, sometimes when I'm like at a dinner party and the bathroom is next to the kitchen and I know people might or might not be hearing me having to go to the bathroom, uh-huh. I sometimes freeze. I'm not able to, to pee because I feel like they might be hearing my stream. Wow. Stage fright for the bathroom. For sure. That's interesting. I feel like we can explore that more off air. <laughs> We have breaking news in the headline department. Kids Uh-oh. are being taught how to fight. Seriously? Do we have time for this story? I don't think we have time, Andrew. I don't think we have time. All right, we can talk about it real quick, though. Okay. So there's a former minor league hockey player, Libor Ostrinel. I think how you pronounce his name. He had a 361-game career, and he is teaching his kids – in suburban Chicago, how to fight. So he coaches a junior varsity team and an elite minor hockey club. And in his career, he scored seven goals and earned 876 penalty minutes. So it sounds like he's teaching the kids how to fight. Now, I feel like a mom listening in her car right now goes like, that's disgusting. They're teaching kids how to fight in hockey. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you're standing in hockey fights, but there is an actual way to fight in hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so they pull over the jersey and you pummel the guy, right? Yeah. The other thing about fighting in hockey is that there's like, it's like, it's like you, when you go to jail, you punch the biggest guy in the face and then you don't got to face any more fights. Right. There's an enforcer on the ice, right? Yeah. If he, if people know there's an enforcer, then they don't go after the best guy. So there's kind of a necessary element to fighting in hockey. Yeah. There's a really interesting article. I think it came out in 2003 from the New York Times about like the, the mindset behind the enforcer and it definitely has an impact on the game you see that guy come on the ice and you know his job is just to fight but these guys i don't think are necessarily doing that they're like doing at the end of practice he circles everybody up he's like hey do you guys want to scrimmage or do you want to fight and he said pretty much every time they say fight and so they throw down i truly feel like within groups of people like friends or families or whatever if there was like a little boxing after thanksgiving but kind of clear the tension within a family with a group of guys you've been friends with for a long time. Hey, you set up a ring every once in a while, you punch each other. I just, it kind of clears the air. The first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club. You know, I'm ashamed to say this. My wife has never seen that movie. That is a shame. That is a shame. That's a crying shame, but she has seen sleeping with the enemy, which is objectively (laughs) a terrible movie. Okay. You know what? Another unwritten rule is that you can't say that's a bad movie because that's a great movie. You just stepped on right there. Fernando Tatis of the Sports Best. 
Today we're joined by Shad Aishan from Pushing for Independence. Pushing for Independence is a 501c3 that was formed in San Diego in 2013 and started providing weekly stand-up paddleboarding opportunities for men and women in wheelchairs. Since then, they've seen hundreds of individuals come through from all over to get out of the water. To donate or to find out more, you can visit pushingforindependence.org or on Instagram, pushing underscore for underscore independence. Before we get into it, Shad, I just want to read this quote that I, I saw you gave in an interview and see what it means to you. You said, the biggest obstacle we have in life is our own mental state of mind. If you don't think you can overcome something, you're never going to overcome it. But if you think there's a way, you'll find a way to do it. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I believe that, you know, sometimes we're our own worst critics, um, you know, that we have this self-doubt inside sometimes and we want to try to accomplish something. We have like that inner voice inside of us, usually the first person that says, no, we can't do it before somebody else, we hear it from somebody else. You know, I just would like to, you know, change people's mindset a little bit, you know? Hey, Shad, I'm going to hit you with my hardest question first. And I've done a little research on you today, and I want to be your best friend. Can we be best friends? That's my hardest question. Let's do it. Okay, good. In, in relation to your quote, you know, me and my wife sometimes get into arguments, and we feel like we don't have a solution to the disagreement we're having. And when we finally come to one, it's always like a third way. We call it the third way. And it usually involves some sort of creative way to get out of the problem we're going on. And I love this quote today. If you think there's a way, you'll find a way to do it. Someone saw a way to put a wheelchair on a paddleboard, which is super creative, to give you a little way to get freedom. Have you thought of creativity or this idea that you can do something, you just need help to get there? Um, exactly. So, like, I was given the opportunity to try adaptive paddleboarding. And I was instantly hooked. I've always loved being on the water. But after my injury in 2006, I thought those days were kind of over. But after being, I quickly realized after paddling that it was not only good for me physically, but mentally as well. And it started opening my eyes up to whatever type of things that I could accomplish that I previously thought were impossible. And just a little bit along those lines, you talked to that it, you got a little bit of freedom back i think I, I didn't think about that a person with disability your life is probably really regulated maybe in your specific case you're stuck in a wheelchair being on that water gave you a little bit of freedom exactly you know like it gave me something that i haven't had you know like you know once you're in a wheelchair like everything is like so difficult either i mean you know like you guys don't think about when a light bulb goes out you just reach up and change the light bulb whereas you know i have to call over a friend or a neighbor you know, and being able to do something completely independently and on your own, like paddling on the water, you know, it gave me a sense of freedom. So can you talk a little bit about how you, you found out about the adaptive paddle boards? And then like, what was the yeah. thought process in coming up with pushing for independence? I mean, I do stuff and I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to do it. But your thought was, let's get everybody involved. So how did that come about? Well, like I said, so like, as soon as I started paddleboarding. I knew that I instant because I, I had a feeling that a lot of people had the same mindset as me being disabled, like, oh, I can't do that. That's impossible, right? Mm -hmm. So I noticed, so after, after paddleboarding for a short period of time, I quickly realized that, you know, this is something that I have to make available to everybody. You know, everybody needs to get this opportunity. 
and maybe it'll open their mind to what other things they can accomplish as well. And so, like, that's what made me determined to be able to make this available to everybody. Shed, you talk a lot about, like, overcoming obstacles. I'm, I'm a 5'10 white guy. I've had a great life. <laughs> I mean, there's really been no major hardships in my life. With something, like, as devastating and, and directional change happens to you, like, how do you help someone who's never had a, to go through anything overcome something as compelling as being in a wheelchair the rest of their life? How do you give someone hope? I guess the best way to give someone hope is by being and living the change you want to see in people. So like the best way I can give somebody hope is by doing it myself, maybe being that example that, you know, these things are possible. I would think that the first time you introduced this concept of going out on a, a paddleboard to someone, there's got to be some sense of resistance. And then can you, do you have any stories of people that, their reaction once they get out there and realize they can do it? I mean, you said it's, it's freeing to you, but do you get that feedback from people when you take them out? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people are just still like um, speechless, you know, like they just can't believe they did it. And, and a lot of times, like just their smiles alone are words enough, you know, like you can see that when they come off the paddleboard, the, the, the size of the grin on their face that they just accomplished something that they thought was kind of impossible or was no longer in their realm. Really cool. Can you tell us, since you guys formed in 2013, you've seen people grow and grow. How is the word getting out? Like, are you hearing of other people doing similar things in other areas of the country? Yeah, there are similar things. So like we had partnerships with a lady, um, I think her name is Access Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's from Canada. She came down, spent like you know three or four months with us, learning how we did our program and the equipment that we used. And then she went back in Canada and started her own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're so excited that she's bringing these opportunities to people that we can't reach. Tell us real quickly who you're trying to get into the mix and who you're trying to get onto a paddleboard. Well, uh, we we like to get everyone involved, you know, but, you know, our goals for the, the future, we want to really want to get more involved with our, our militaries in the, in the area. We have a strict program. We work right now with the VA. We take them out on monthly paddleboarding adventures with their disabled veterans. And we have some new um, partnerships. We're coming together with the Wounded Warrior Project. And we just want to make sure that we get back to our veterans so much that fought so much for our freedoms. How, how did that partnership even come about? Did they just hear about you and they approached you, or are you guys actively seeking people out? Well, so we did work at the Wounded Warrior Project about four or five years ago, and then they were going through some restructuring, I believe, through Wounded Warrior Project, mm-hmm. and they recently just reached out to us in the last two weeks, and they wanted us to start getting back involved in uh, supplying uh, activities for their veterans. Thank you again, Shad Aishan, for joining us. Go to pushing the number four independence.org, pushing for independence.org, and donate or find out ways to get involved. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shad. You're welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. This is the only sports show in the entire universe where we remove the worst and only give you the best. He is Andrew, sleeps with one eye open. Keller, I am Larry. Boom, boom, Olsen. That's right. We are on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We will be back momentarily.